Welcome to the event, the latest in Transportation Insights Digital Master Series. Today, we've assembled a few of our senior parcel experts to talk about the 2021 general rate increase announcements from UPS, FedEx, the Postal Service. We're also going to talk about some of the pieces in the annual rate increase that often go overlooked. I'm Michael Willard in the Marketing Division at Transportation Insight. Before I turn the presentation over to our subject matter experts, I want to remind our audience we welcome your participation. This roundtable was designed to present information, but also respond to the questions you have. Please submit your questions for our panelists, and the GoToWebinar questions panel will address questions as possible during the presentation, and we'll get to them at the conclusion as well. I'm going to now hand that presentation over to Robin Meyer. Robin's a parcel expert with 20 years experience working in the small package environment. She's known for her ability to help shippers leverage delivery service, cost, and choice as an experience enhancement driver for end customers. And today you'll know her as the moderator for a conversation, which begins with an introduction of our panel of parcel experts. Robin, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Michael. Uh, we're excited to have with us generations of experience in the small package environment today. Uh, including Transportation Insights Vice President of Parcel Operations, Todd Bench. Uh, Todd has spent more than 35 years um, in the parcel logistics arena, including 25 years as an engineer creating and enhancing the net and profitability models uh, for the national carriers. His deep experience in parcel program design and network design is an asset for shippers trying to enhance service to end customers through improved product fulfillment, order placement, and inventory deployment. Todd? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, joining us, and we look forward to the discussion. Thanks, Todd. Uh, Charles Moore is also joining us today. Charles is the Vice President of Solutions for Transportation Insight and a pioneer in the service refund and parcel audit industry. Charles has more than 29 years of experience in the parcel space, and he always has great insight to share. Charles, please say hello. Thank you, Robin. Excited to be here today and, and answer questions. And last but not least, uh, Bernie Reeve is a Senior Parcel Operations Specialist at Transportation Insight. He spent 37 years designing, pricing, and managing complex rate structures for UPS, and we're fortunate to have him working on our behalf for our shipper. He's going to be beginning our presentation today. Thanks, Robin. Well, as everyone knows, UPS and FedEx have both announced their 2021 rate increases. Uh, USPS has yet to announce their competitive products increase. We should expect that probably in January. Today, we're going to dig into those announcements uh, with our parcel expert. And so, Todd, would you mind just giving us a quick overview of the rate increase? Sure, absolutely. Thank you, Bernie. So, uh, basically, we heard that uh, UPS and FedEx make their announcements. FedEx made their announcement September 15th, and as you heard, it was a 4.9% rate increase, basically for Express, all of their ground service, home delivery, um, and SmartPost wasn't announced with it, but SmartPost came later, and SmartPost is more of a service that is set up as a deferred type ground product. That looks as though it's going to come in in the uh, one under one to five pounds. It's looking to be over 6%. And then if you look for 1 to 10, overall, it's probably going to be around 5.86% uh, total for uh, uh, SmartPost. The other thing that uh, came in was UPS. And by the way, that goes uh, effective January 4th. For UPS, 
their announcement uh, came actually earlier than uh, normal and uh, shortly after they made their third quarter announcement investor relations call they uh, made the statement that their rates are going up 4.9 percent as well their rate goes into effect on december 27th and along with that there are uh, a couple major changes that both fedex and ups made the announcement too and that is an additional handling charge that is going to be assessed packages greater than 105 inches in length and girth. And one of the other items that I wanted to bring up too is that uh, FedEx is going to announce that, or I should say uh, now apply a 6% late fee as well. So there's a few new changes, uh, but uh, you know, Bernie, let's talk about, uh, if you would, talk a little bit um, moving forward around what that 4.9 means. Well, you know, 4.9, I'm sure it probably didn't surprise anybody to hear another 4.9 rate increase. As a matter of fact, this is the 14th year for ground rates to have a 4.9 or higher rate increase. So you might ask yourself, well, why are the carriers stuck on this 4.9 rate increase? Well, I think the carriers have conditioned customers their customers to expect a 4.9% rate increase. Creating this expectation kind of softens the real rate increase to them. Uh, you know, the 4.9 is about double the rate of inflation over the last 10 years. So uh, I, I would expect you're going to keep seeing 4.9. And remember, 4.9 is just the base rate increase. You're probably having a much higher rate increase than that with new charges, accessorial and surcharge increases, and changes in GAS and things like that. That's a good point too, what you just mentioned, Bernie, because we are seeing that in our customer base, definitely greater than just the 4.9, because that's just the transportation. When you roll everything in it, you know, they're definitely, for most of the customers, they're exceeding 6%, but good point. Yeah, so, you know, you talk about the history of the 4.9% increase, um, you know, just like that, the shippers are getting used to also new charges and new fees, conditions, et cetera, being rolled out at that same time. No exception this year. Todd, can you go through a couple of the new charges? I know you touched on them really quickly, but just a, a little bit more overview, please. Sure, absolutely. So FedEx is announcing the uh, 6% late payment fee. And to give you an idea, um, UPS actually announced that back in 2003 for implementation of 2004. So they've had the uh, uh, late payment fee for uh, uh, many years, over a decade. Now, FedEx has just started to do it. And one of the things that customers are going to need to do is pay very close attention to their payment terms inside their contracts. Um, in the past, FedEx has been pretty, um, um, uh, pretty lenient on payment terms, so going past your days uh, that were stipulated in your contract, uh, FedEx did not uh, put or assess any fees or, or force the customer uh, into doing anything drastic. Now uh, it's going to be a much more financially impactful uh, decision not to pay the bill on time with the 6% uh, late payment fee. So it comes in that you definitely need to make sure you're monitoring that and make sure that you stay on top of that because that can add up because that is going to be down at the invoice level. The other one 
that uh, is uh, also being accepted by both FedEx and UPS is the addition of 105 inch lengthened girth uh, digital handling, which is gonna be $16 in 2021. Today, there is no charge. So this is pretty much 100% uh, impactful to customers on any of these packages. And for some of our heavy retail customers that are non-clothing oriented, this is a huge impact. Um, so if you think about it, one of the areas that this is targeting is, is really in the realm of automation. When I say automation, I'm talking about the carrier's automation. So you've got FedEx that has uh, had automation for a long time. They have had many of their facilities and most of the facilities, I should say, are an automated sortation. So you have an unload, you load, but you have an um, automated sortation. UPS has been building new facilities and upgrading and improving their technology and doing so they've added all of this technology also into automation and taking out the manual sorts in their facilities and in doing so um, are also looking at packaging and packages that are more attractive to going through an automated facility. And these packages are traditionally packages that are going to be uh, large and flat and for many reasons can and certain circumstances cause issues in an automated facility. These belts move at very high speeds. So having a jam in a building like this is like having a major accident on a, high, a freeway. So where these automated facilities, you could actually do a lot more work with the human body, moving them, adjusting them, and moving them through the building. These are gonna be handled at a much more uh, manual pace and not through the automation. UPS have made the statement on their last investor call, they're between 80 and 85% automation now, uh, where UP, uh, FedEx is you know, well over 95. So if you look at that and think about that, that is what's driving this. And these packages traditionally don't, uh, in many cases are the ones that can uh, go under the wire of a dim. One of the areas I wanted to point out too is that UPS is going to uh, implement a new pricing structure for the surcharge and fee starting in April for single package and then July for 100 weight. And that's for the large package surcharge and additional handling surcharge. So that's still to be seen, but it's coming. And I'm sure that that's uh, the reason we're getting a little runway on that is so that many of the vendors can program their systems to be ready to handle that adjustment. One other item I wanted to point out that's been announced, they've adjusted the DAS, or I should say the zip codes, both FedEx and UPS have. And if you take a look at this, this is something they look at um, every year, but the last two years they've made some substantial changes to this. And one of the big areas that you wanna think about here is, is that in essence, they've pulled back on what they would consider extended or super rural, and they've reduced the, the, the population that's being impacted. You can see the number on the slide here, 24% uh, for UPS. And you look at DAS, it's adding 37.8% of, of, of area, and then moving the population side to 16.8%. Now, the thing to think about here is if you take the additions and the subtractions, it's about 12.3 million more people fall into a surcharge. 
That's the bottom line. So there's going to be more customers from um, that that are you're shipping to that are now going to have a new surcharge added to that particular delivery. FedEx did the same thing, and in FedEx, it's very simple. And if you look at it, FedEx actually pulled back on the extended area a little bit uh, uh, more, about 3.9%, roughly about the same on on the uh, DAS. And if you take a number of people, which is the number of people that are going to hit with this, it's about 11 million. So bottom line is, is that in each of the carriers, they've made this adjustment. This is a hard adjustment to calculate and figure out on your own, but this is what's gonna happen to your customer base is about, you know, for UPS, 12 and a half million, for FedEx, about 11 million more people are going to receive surcharges and fees. So it's something that has to be included into your analysis for what is going to impact your budget going into 2021. Todd, I think that's a great point, and I think that if you, you know, back in 2019, DAS charges hit about 24% of the population. Now they're hitting 28% of the population. That's just in two short years. We should probably really watch this and expect this to continue. You know, Todd, the only thing I would add here is that uh, even though the, the DAS population increased and the extended population decreased, uh, the carriers did take advantage of this particular situation and if, as an example uh you know the das commercial only increased 5.1 percent whereas the das extended increased 7.2 percent and we saw something very similar to that on the ground residential where the, the das for residential was 7.2 and the extended das for residential was 9.3 so definitely taking advantage of the uh more rural and, and super rural type packages very good points. Very good points. And yeah, and it can add up quick. <laughs> yeah, so thanks, guys. So, Charles, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you to, to walk through the ground rate increase a little more specifically, if you don't mind. Uh, absolutely. And if you would just go ahead and advance to the next slide. <clears throat> so, I think what's important to understand is when the carriers have the rate increase, it, it's not a universal rate increase across all weights and zones. They have an announced GRI of 4.9%, but depending on your shipping characteristics or your package level detail and the combination of weights and zones that your packages uh, hit, uh, obviously your, your increase will be contingent upon that. For many customers, a large percentage of their packages hit the, uh, the minimum charge, especially larger shippers with very aggressive pricing. And the carriers know that going into the rate increases. And if you take a look uh, specifically at the zone two increase, it changed from $8.23 to $8.76. So for those larger customers that have a significant portion of their packages hitting the net min charge, their rate increase is not 4.9%, it's closer to 6.4%. And so it's very important to understand the contractual terms, how those are, how those are laid out within the agreement, whether it's a dollar amount off or a percentage amount off. Uh, each and every year as the carrier increases that net man charge and if your agreement is structured as a dollar amount off um you know you take a, a larger percentage of that increase and so it's not a constant if you will the other thing that i would add is that the uh 
UPS and FedEx rates match between one and 15 pounds for those lower lightweight shipments. And, and those increases are generally higher than those of the, the heavier packages. Um, and so again, that, that's something very important to, to, to take into consideration as you look through the rate increase for 2021. The other thing I would point out on this particular slide is, is, is if you think about the Amazon effect and how companies are trying to remain relevant in this new world, if you will, with one and two day delivery expectations. If you look in the bottom right hand corner, what you'll see is the express saver in two day packages took, a, took an increase larger than 4.9%. And that's with the anticipation that more companies will shift that two and three day product to meet those new, new service delivery standards and, and meet uh, customers' expectations. Um, we will go ahead and move on to, to the next slide, if you will. Again, not much different here. Uh, again, the rates match. Overall average increase is 6.1% for, a, for a, a one pound package across all zones. Again, you see the same characteristics for you know, three day select and two day air. The other thing that you'll note is that the carriers generally have a, a larger rate increase on those zone two and three packages where they, they experience more competition, whether it be um, you know, local couriers, it could be Uber, um, it could be you know, drivers for hire, so to speak. Uh, or even as deliveries get more localized with Amazon through the addition of fulfillment centers, more and more packages are gonna be delivered in that super urban, urban area. And it's important for um, UPS to remain competitive in those lower zones. And so you typically see higher, higher rate increases in the longer zones where there's less competition. So that's all I have right at the moment, Robin. Okay, great, thanks. So, um, Todd, can you cover, I know when FedEx released their um, GRI, we got a lot of questions around the postal side of it, right? What's the future hold for smart posts and how do they manage that? And with the UPS release last week, what are your thoughts on that? So, it's, uh, uh, thank you very much. So, if you take a look at this, this is smart post right here. And if you remember, uh, before COVID struck in 2019, uh, FedEx announced that they were going to bring, uh, start bringing in most of SmartPost um, into their delivery network. And that was probably around 2 million packages a day. And so when you look at that, they were looking at having that basically um, support their delivery network on the ground side. And as you can see here, um, now you have to remember that uh, the Postal Service has not made an announcement for parcel select or priority mail rate increase for 2021 as of yet. So if you take a look at this, this is the rate increase that they've established for going forward 2021. SurePost has not announced UPS's version of a deferred ground delivery service. And if you remember, they do utilize the post office for last mile where uh, it's, it works out to be the most efficient for them, meaning that their systems basically make the decision, is the driver going to make the delivery or is it more economical, more feasible to drop it off at the local post office and let the post office make the final delivery? And they, uh, UPS SurePost is, we're assuming as they're waiting to see what happens or transpires from the post office so that they can make their adjustments. But as you can see here for SmartPost, um, under five pounds, which really this service was was originally designed for, is that uh, it's taking a pretty hefty increase. Uh, 
Um, you could assume that UPS is going to follow this type of structure, if not maybe a little greater. Um, as you, uh, in case everyone has forgot, at October 18th, SurePost users took a rate increase um, of 24 cents, and that was because the post office passed a peak season surcharge. And so UPS passed that surcharge on. Uh, SmartPost did not. And again, that falls because SmartPost is being delivered by, UP, uh, by FedEx. Um, the other point that I wanted to make too that uh, goes along with what Charles was speaking about in regards to the rate increases, the thing that we also have to look at is, is 2020 with the impact of COVID, the carriers implemented a COVID surcharge. Um, and for pretty much, you know, the entire length of the COVID impact. Then we had uh, peak season begin, and now we have new peak season surcharges, higher than ever before, and using a peak factoring type mechanism to determine at what rate you're going to pay. And then now we're going into 2021 with new rate increases, new additional charges based on characteristics of the packages. So basically, in a nutshell, it has, in the last two years, we have seen a substantial increase for parcel delivery in, in the United States. Definitely, definitely. Just a quick reminder, if you have any questions, please feel free to put them over on the chat uh, and put them there and we'll answer as we get to the end of the presentation. Um, so now let's cover the air and international rate increases. Bernie, can you handle that, please? Sure. As we talk about the air rate increases, FedEx and UPS are pretty closely aligned on their rates already, and they've really increased their rates pretty much the same level. Um, UPS is slightly higher in the uh, priority rates, and they're a little bit lower in some of the deferred. But I guess we're going to start with the international here. On the international, pretty much uh, similar to what they've done in years past. The thing you see overall is that deferred services like the International Economy of FedEx, Worldwide Expedited and UPS, they're going to get the higher rate increases typically. Um, on, it, it, it kind of matches the air rates also where the deferred services are getting higher rate increases than the premium services. Now, as far as the domestic air rates, they pretty much still, uh, longer zones have the higher rate increases because it's more fly time, you know, the long zones fly. Shorter zones, a lot of that goes by ground. The carriers wanna keep those rates as close to the ground rates to prevent trade down into ground. So that's pretty much what they're doing. And, uh, you know, basically the rates are within about 1% of each other for all the services. It's very, they're very well aligned and there's not a real big story there on the rate increase for uh, international or for the domestic air rates. Okay, thank you. Yeah, the only thing I would add is, is they probably were able to keep the, the rate increase more in check in, in 2021 because of the temporary surcharges that they implemented due to COVID. Uh, and so it doesn't necessarily require them to have such a large rate increase overall for, for 2021. No, that's a great point, Charles, because 
as as UPS made their uh, investment call, they did exceptionally well internationally, and you know that lends itself to see the volume. COVID has had an impact throughout the entire globe, and yeah. uh, you know if you remember, UPS made the the, the statement that their residential volume increased 95 percent. Uh, you know that's staggering when you think about the impact to the operation, but just think about the density that it created. So those are some uh, benefits, not only in obviously revenue, but really in operating expense. Being able to have a denser route obviously means the driver is going to be much more productive. Right. So finally, um, we're going to cover the accessorial rate increase, and I know we've had a couple of questions. So Charles, can you go through that, please? Yeah, so if you would just go ahead and advance to the next slide. <clears throat> so it's important when, when you think about um, rate increases in general that the announced GRI 4.9% doesn't include the accessorials. So just as your uh, rate increase will be determined by the, the weight and zone of your package, it will also be determined by the usage of accessorials. And what you'll see from this particular chart is that the, the accessorials uh, you know, are, are definitely more than 4.9%. And specifically on those ones that have been targeted by the carriers for those larger, heavier, bulkier packages, whether they be, uh, you know, additional handling by dimension, weight, uh, and, and packaging, or that large package surcharge or, or oversized package. And so again, if you just take a look at this, this particular chart, you can see where the carriers are targeting uh, profitability, uh, as they would call it probably revenue enhancement on your account. And um, it's also, I called out earlier, the larger increases relative to DAS extended, uh, the carriers are definitely looking in that particular area to, to increase profitability uh, on a given shipper. And so these were the accessorials for FedEx. Uh, as we advance to the next slide, you'll see the accessorials for, for UPS. They are almost in tandem. Uh, and where they do differ, uh, the, the difference is, is minor. Uh, and any of those differences can be made up through contractual negotiations. And so I wouldn't necessarily um, be overly concerned with the differentials between the carriers, but it is something worth noting uh, that the carriers, for lack of a better word, um, they, they definitely work in lockstep in terms of the rate increases. Uh, you know, FedEx announced earlier, UPS came in and matched more or less verbatim in terms of, you know, package in increases as well as accessorial increases. Perfect, thank you. So, so in general, in summary, just kind of overview this for us, and then I know we have a couple of questions. So, you know, I think the big takeaway is is that you can see that uh, to to Charles' point about being lockstep, it's been a 4.9% rate increase for well over a decade. And, and that is basically um, the tolerance of the market that the market has been willing to accept it and, and pay it. And what we see is that the carriers then um, it allows them to do their planning and do it well, and then be able to uh, come up with new ways because they do do the 4.9, that they do come up with new ways to generate revenue. And in doing that, they come up with new surcharges and fees. So if you think about going back just, you know, pretty much 20 years, uh, there's pretty much 
not many surcharges and fees at all. Um, there was a day when residential and ground were the same rate card, and there were no surcharges differentiating the difference between a commercial and a, a residential delivery. And now we have surcharges, fees, DAS um, to to add on top of it, and. <laughs> 2020 craziest year on record with COVID uh, surcharges, and then we got COVID, and now we got peak. So it's just the surcharge world that we live in, and it's uh, it lends itself that having your hand on the pulse and your fingers on the pulse better, that you understand and you can see what the impact is really going to be to your supply chain and understanding what's my true net cost. What does it really mean with my, if I have um, certain terms and conditions in my contract around caps, how those caps impact the actual rate increase? How does it impact my actual surcharges and fees? How does my customer base change now that I have added, you know, over 10 million people to a DAS delivery charge? What's that mean at the end of the day? How do I budget for that? And so these are these are all um, interesting uh, situations that require a lot of analytics and hard analytics to be able to do the analysis and do it over a large portion of data so that you can be able to extrapolate that into an advanced plan. And it just shows that the complication of the days gone by where air was a single zone and ground was one rate card and 15% was about the biggest discount you'd see. The world has really changed in the world of small package and become extremely complex. Todd, I, I think that's a great point. And, and you know, just to, when you think about that, carriers are trying to put their revenue where their cost is. So if there's higher cost, look at UPS going to a zonal large package surcharge and additional handling. The more they handle it, the more they want to charge. So that's what they're trying to do. So this old methodology of uh, benchmarking and things like that, that's really historic now. You can't rely on your volume uh, or your revenue alone getting you a, a good discount. You really have to understand how it affects carriers' costs. How you can negotiate based on those kind of factors is really going to what's going is what's going to get you the best contract in years to come. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. So we have a couple of questions. Um, so the first question is directly to Todd. Uh, what is the increase in terms of percentage in 2019 versus 2020 when you add the additional fees, the re increases peak season? How much more do we need to budget in 2021? Is it a 10%, a 15%, a 20%? That's question one. I would say that you're gonna to, to honestly you pro you need to be about uh eight percent and you need to have that because of all the differentials that are taking place. And we're gonna assume that the the uh, uh situation that the the uh, uh questionnaire is in is that uh, you got the transportation expense, you've got your fee expense toward uh a traditional uh surcharge and fees. Um, that we're going to assume that you're about 25, 26% uh, DAS, DAS extended combination. And in doing that, along with, let's just say you're about 3%, 4% in compatibles, that you're probably, you need to be on the safe side, budget going into 2021, 8%. Because here's the thing, 
we don't know what peak season surcharge in 2020 is going to be, right? Because it's not here. <laughs> you know what 2020 is, and it wasn't nice. So if you're budgeting and you're planning that, you got to take that into consideration, and you got to assume that they're going to follow somewhat suit. We expect that the capacity uh, in the network is going to uh, maintain a level probably at least through the first quarter of the year going into the second. Um, there may be relief as the United States and the rest of the world opens up more and we get back to some new normal. And in doing that, we still, and I believe that since the peak season of 20 has lotted itself to receive these surcharges, they're most likely going to be pretty confident that going into 2021's peak to be close to the same type of structure, maybe not the same surcharge or impact, it might be reduced slightly, but I don't think you can plan for that. So that's why I'm saying 8%. You know, Robin, the only thing I would add there is for the longest time, there was a, an annual rate increase, right? The, the carriers only raised the rates towards the end of December or the 1st of January. We did see a couple of years where there were two rate increases, with one being in the, in the middle of the year. And so at this point, with God's point, uh, a lot of unknowns in 2021, not only should we potentially expect peak surcharges, but there may be additional mid-year surcharges that we haven't even fathomed yet. Then, you know, that's the roughest thing. And, and the, the, the interesting thing that uh, I wanted to add to probably should make it eight and a half percent for if we forget about the yes, fuel increase. <laughs> we forget about the fuel increase that they hit us with this year. So there was an adjustment in March in the fuel and that gets overlooked because there's been so many charges since that it can get just that little charge, that little half point, that 2.5 tenths of percent change gets lost in this whole sea of increases. Right. But it, it is something to, to, to think about that Charles brings up is that it is it used to be once a year. I mean, I can go back to where it used to be about every two to three years. Bernie, you remember when they used to hold the rates? I mean, now in this day and age, it's every year plus. So it's a crazy, crazy world. You can actually go back a slide. I think you're going to see that the published rate change isn't the only thing that's going to happen. Contract renegotiation with this tight capacity is probably a reality that some of us are going to have to, to face. So that, that's the other thing going on. If you're a large shipper with a great contract, it's going to be tough to hold on to that. Well, and a lot's going to depend on what kind of packaging you ship to. I know with the increases I with the We've seen a tremendous impact in some of our clients that ship the longer or more dimensionalized boxes. So that makes a huge impact too. So it's a little difficult to answer your question specifically to whomever put that question in there because we don't really know what you ship. But, um, but that does impact significantly our clients and what we're seeing so far, Todd, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the traditional, what we consider the retail, they're going to, they're, they're, uh, definitely going to be higher than norm. Um, the uh, long days gone by book shipper, which is still a great package. Everybody wants it. Um, 
unfortunately, and the world print is is disappearing. But that is a fantastic box, and that uh, is is still going to be king. Problem is, there's not a lot of them left. Yeah, I think it's also important to point out for for those larger uh, shippers, even the ones that have a rate cap within the body of their agreement. Well, that rate cap generally only applies to the line haul or the freight. It does not apply to the accessorials. So where you think you may have a specified rate cap for 2021, uh, more than likely you're going to take a, a rate cap significantly higher than, than the rate cap allows for. So Todd, you, you talked a little bit about capacity. And so one of the other questions we've received is, you know, a lot of shippers are now looking at utilizing alternative carriers like regionals, um, couriers, some of those. Where do you see the impact on price increases with those companies? Do you do you see that coming? And and second part of that question is, you know, how would you recommend that consideration? That's a great question. And if you take a look at that industry, the good the thing that's going to come out of the situation we're in right now is, is that they're going to grow, and that means it's going to make that that side of the industry more competitive in the future. And that's going to be a benefit to the consumer. And the the rough part is, is it's a little rough right now, but what you anticipate, and one of the things that I would say is, is that going through peak season is going to be a tough deal. And it's going to be a tough deal because capacity everywhere is tight. And with going after the new year is you need to start to work on a plan of action to be able to see how you can incorporate options to allow you to have safety valves. And this is more true than ever before. It's always been in kind of like the coffee discussion at the coffee house, having a discussion about utilizing um, non-traditional carriers in the parcel world. Uh, now it's a reality. The one thing that you can see right now is that in the regional carrier environment, the courier environment, they don't have a lot of the surcharges and fees and it's twofold. One is, is because they don't have a lot of sophistication in regards to the billing systems like the FedEx and the UPSs do. And so they would rather to look at coming up with a more simplistic pricing slash costing model to be able to have you up and running as a customer so that they can go ahead and support you in more of an operations environment and not so much of the non-op side of it. So I expect that uh, you will see that continue uh, for several into the future is that's one of their easy sells that they have is we don't have all of the uh, surcharges and fees. So it's easier for us to implement. It's easy for you to use us. We don't need a lot of uh, sophisticated, uh, complicated uh, audit to take place on us. Um, but bottom line is, is understanding where to use it, when to use it and then making sure that when you slice the pie up, you're looking at apples to apples, net to net, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you're writing the check, but the check comes out to be equal as far as in the expenses you're paying. Surcharges over with FedEx and UPS make up 25, 30% of the charge, with the regional carriers gonna be less than 5%. Right. And don't forget your your tier commitments and so forth in that consideration either, right? Well, that's that part of making sure the analysis is done, and you got to do that analytical 
side of it. That's what makes it so complex is you got to do that math up front before you come up with your operating plan. Not only that, Robin. Yeah, not, not only that, Robin, but in addition to the, the tier commitments and revenue commitments that uh, an individual shipper is required to make due to their contract, uh, we definitely see the national carriers beginning to position themselves with the, the thought process that they may lose some of that urban and super urban volume, some of those lower zone shipments uh, to regional carriers. And so it's important to ensure that any agreement that you um, strike with your national carrier allows for the flexibility for you to uh, you know, utilize those regional carriers when there are capacity constraints. Uh, what you don't want to do is find yourself in a situation where you, you don't have the capacity or the ability to divert. Uh, the other thing that's on the horizon is you know, the, the whole Amazon logistics model. They, they have suspended that temporarily just due to their own capacity issues, uh, but make no mistake about it, you know, the, the shipping with Amazon uh, model, that, that definitely will resume. And I think the national carriers are trying to position themselves to lock that volume in, either with higher revenue commitments and or specific early termination or minimum commitment language. Okay, great. Well, we have three more questions. Um, just a reminder, if you have questions um, you'd like to ask, please feel free to send them. So I'm gonna ask the next one here. Uh, what is the main driver for UPS and FedEx to decrease their coverage area, thus resulting in more frequent DAS charges? Who would like to take that one? Well, a lot of that has to do with, they the way that a lot of this was originally set up is set up by density as far as stop density. So the miles driven per each stop. That was the original um, um, setup in the mindset is how far does the driver have to drive before the package car comes to a stop, they make a delivery. And they would then bucket that based on rural, super rural type of indications. It wasn't really could be considered rural or super rural. You could actually have maybe a suburban area that fell into that too, just because that particular area didn't have uh, a lot of commercial density or people didn't buy a lot from the catalog back in the day. So if you take a look at how it's done today, they are still following those, 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 those parameters and taking a look at what is in their idea calling uh, cost to serve. That's why you see less extended, but more what they are considering rural. So less super rural, more rural, right? And I think that that is the combination of the movement of, of where we see people living and the density. So you have the suburb, right? So if you look at it and think of it this way, you have the super urban areas like Manhattan. Then you have an urban area, let's say like downtown Atlanta. And then you've got the suburban, which is a large portion of where Americans live. And then you got what they would consider like um, um, rural or what we would consider, you know, maybe in, in many cases, it's just a little bit extended past a suburban area. And then what we would call what everyone in their mind thinks is real rule. Um, the, the carriers bucket those and they bucket them based on densities and those densities drive their cost model. And that cost model then is where they look to cover their expenses. And they want, as they project based on how the, the 
population is shifting, then they project their costs and they assume that's how the following year is going to come based on what's already happened and what has happened over a period of time. So it's it's, it's kind of like an extrapolation. So they cover their valves and that they're not behind the eight ball, so to speak. Bernie, Charles, anything to add to that? Yeah, the only thing I would add is, is that from a, an assessorial perspective or a rate perspective in general, um, we've seen the carriers basically follow the lead of perhaps the airline industry where you used to just pay for a plane ticket and, and your luggage was included. You didn't have to pay to board early or, or any of the, the ancillary things that, that went along with travel. We saw the freight uh, carriers do the exact same thing in the decoupling of what, what they would call activity-based costing and allocating costs to where it was incurred. But the truth of the matter is, in addition to that, that whole activity-based costing and assigning the cost where it incurs, it allows the carriers to create complexity within the rates. It allows them to be able to push, pull, or drag those levers and affect your total net landing cost. The carriers are masters at giving something in the left hand and potentially taking it away in the right hand, and it's very complicated. Uh, and the DAS is just a, an element of that overall complexity. Okay, great. So we have another. Do you have insight on carrier USPS hybrid services, such as UPS Mail Innovations or DHL e-commerce, or any other solutions out there around that same spectrum? So that's a great question. Those services are, you know, obviously 100% delivered by the post office. Um, they are a consolidator. And so both UPSMI, DHL e-commerce, uh, OSM, and uh, and uh, uh, carriers of the like utilize and basically take the uh, extra sortation steps to consolidate and then get inside the post office deeper to be able to utilize the post office last mile delivery, so to speak. Um, that margin, those 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 margins are, are are pretty tight because you have a a fee set that you have to pay the post office for delivery. Everybody pretty much can have the visibility in to seeing what that's going to cost. And then um, what the what what you're paying for is the pickup, so the uh, uh, consolidation part of it. So that is still waiting to see some of that to be impacted. Uh, based on how the parcel select rates come from the post office. Um, that is still a model that the post office enjoys, obviously, because they can um, support that and they're set up to support that well. Um, so that area will most likely be along the lines of the FedEx and the UPS ground rate not necessarily the sure post or the smart post rate increase that we would see. And that's my, my take on it. So you will see, because you have to remember just a couple point increase to a uh, under one pound charge is going to be a few pennies. So you may be paying three bucks for that particular service. And then moving forward, you may pay 305. So those are situations that I could see that that will and you know lend itself coming out. Um, 
in the future, it's going to be an option for many customers to take advantage of those type of services for those under one pound or flats because they are particular about what you hand over to them or you will pay uh, additional fees on top of that. So you need to be uh, very conscious of that as well. It's almost coming to the point where you're trying to make the analysis. We used to always say the analysis in small parcel. Where did small parcel end and LTL begin? Now it's kind of like, where does the post office end, small package begins, small package ends, LTL begins. So it's just lending itself to more complexity in the entire um, delivery world of small package. The only thing I would add to, to Todd's comments are, you know, when you talk about a, a parcel postal hybrid, you get the benefit of the carriers, uh, the national carriers, UPS and FedEx, their network and the trackability. You also get the benefit of the postal service in that they are the only individuals or only carrier that can actually insert something into your to your mailbox in and off your porch and out of the elements, right? The other thing I would add is that Amazon, as they continue to build out their network, they're pulling those parcel packages back into their own network to be delivered by their own delivery service providers. As well as Todd mentioned earlier, FedEx has moved over 2 million packages a day back into their home delivery network. And so when you think about capacity issues, quite frankly, the postal service is that relief valve that many, many shippers and e-commerce shippers need in order to, to get the capacity they need for that, that free shipping that they offer on their website. Well, and that's the perfect segue for our last question today. So our last question is, do you all feel that the exact same behavior is happening with rail, ocean, air, truckload, and LTL, that the supply chain is changing and everyone's trying to move to the place where accessorials have more weight than the rate and the total cost? That's our last question. For so today. that's a great question. And um, <laughs> I wish we could defer to our, our, our partners in the other modes at TI, but since we're on the, uh, we're on the cusp of this here, <laughs> I think that they're learning from they're learning from small package. I think it is an education process where they're looking at how small package is being able to pass these surcharges and fees. And the market is accepting and taking them. And in doing that, it becomes they become more bold. And I, you know, I anticipate that you will see much more based much more cube type pricing instead of our traditional national motor freight classification type of pricing and the traditional tariff that I can see that they will come to more of a dimensionalized type pricing structure. I know that they have some um, configurations of that, but make it more much more standard and more accepted to where um, the pricing is going to be based more toward the handability and really focused on the delivery end of it. So we all know that they have have uh, liftgate, right? They have inside delivery, but one of the things uh, to to take a take look at is is when they start to look at dock to dock, to where they they start to say if it's a, a, a much more residential type delivery, straight truck and I can just see they have surcharges and fees now, 
but they haven't figured out on many instances how to make it more palatable and easier to 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 apply that surcharge so yeah i think that this is going to become more and more everything's going to be centered around the ability to handle the ability to manage the freight within the facility and on the end of the delivery it's always supposedly been taken into consideration under the nmfc guide um, but uh, obviously it's been lax as far as in, in pricing regimen um, they're getting bold both uh, based on the confidence they're getting from ups and fedex and you have to also think about fedex and ups are huge players in the ltl market now so i'm guaranteeing you that they're all sitting at the same table when they're talking about hey what are we going to do for next year let, let me add just a little color to that, Todd. Uh, you know, I think the thing you've got really going on here is the small package carriers that are are at a huge disadvantage to all these other modes of transportation because of the rate structure they use. You know, they use a zonal rate structure that is reciprocal. It's really a horrible pricing structure. So they have to put all these DAS charges and these other things on to cover their costs in higher cost areas. And with the cube factor or the cube discussion you're talking about, they don't have a very good way of giving you a better price for great density. I would say what's probably going to happen in the next 10 years is the small package carriers are going to move much more to a density-based and uh, more of a tariff-based pricing structure and get away from these zones that, you know, they were put out by the post office. I don't even know when, you know, probably the early 1900s, who knows, you know, and, and we've been using them ever since. Hey, they came out in the early 60s. 59, it 60. was, uh, I believe, positioned in, in Congress and then accepted and implemented sometime in the early 60s. And then if you remember back in the day, UPS just took the rate increase back in those days. Yep. I'm sorry, just took the post office rate and knocked it down a nickel and said, yep. that's the new rate. <laughs> yeah, they need to, they need to really rethink their structures all right i think it's that's a dynamic the world that's for sure <laughs> yeah it definitely is michael i believe that was the last question so uh i don't think we have any more time today i think we're done nope we've just about arrived at the conclusion of our broadcast today the end of our time i want to thank everybody for joining us really appreciate you sharing some of your time a lot of great information that our audience has been able to enjoy for folks that have more questions feel free to reach out to our supply chain masters or con their contact information is up there on the screen now use it anytime you can also visit our website at transportationinsight.com as where you can access more about our solutions, our blogs, and our informational guides. If you just visit the resources section of our website to access our fourth quarter industry forecast, it's got a lot of more information about rates. And then coming up next week, you'll find our rate forecast for 2021, uh, as well as tips for e-commerce fulfillment and other feature content about buy online, pick up in store strategies, a lot of information pertinent to today's environment. Whether your business is large or small, Transportation Insight has a supply chain solution that can help you control cost, manage risk, and improve customer experience. On behalf of our panelists and Transportation Insight, thank you for joining our broadcast. May you master the remainder of your day.